When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dad Puzzles. Today we are, you know, like I want to first express my genuine honor and excitement to have our next guest on, you know, on our show. His expertise, you know, like he, uh, his expertise and experiences is sure to bring incredible value to our audience. So thank you so much, sir, for 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 joining our our Dad Puzzles podcast. Thank you so much, man, for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So so. Scott is a seasoned sales and marketing executive who is renowned for redefining sales, marketing, branding, and tech to market strategies. So throughout his career, he has successfully collaborated with executives and entrepreneurs, propelling their businesses to remarkable growth, often achieving 10 times you know, the results. So from startups to large enterprises, Scott's expertise has left an incredible mark on iconic Fortune 500 and and Fortune 100 brands. His work has garnered re- uh, recognition with features in over 100 plus news sites and publications. As a global speaker, Scott is a sought after at industry conferences and his, in his insightful articles have been showcased in, in prestigious platforms like Forbes, Wall Street, uh, you know, like Wall Street Journal, you know, Hacker on the Startup, etc., etc. So, and, uh, you know, like currently he hosts the Success Story podcast as part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, where he engages in enlightening interviews with inspirational individuals, mentors, and leaders. Additionally, he serves as the founder of a weekly business newsletter, continually sharing valuable insights with his audience. So thank you so much for for being with us today, sir. I appreciate that. That's a really kind intro. I thank you for going through everything. You didn't have to go through everything. No, I do you. have. I do have a friend of mine. He he has. He's very picky with. He likes whenever he's you know because he's a speaker as well. He likes people to read exactly word for word verbatim. You know his uh, his bio. So since then I was like, okay, so I don't want to piss off anyone. So let me make sure uh, I read everything. You know. You could you could call me a whole bunch of things. You wouldn't piss me off. That's no worries. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So, where are you from, boss? So, I'm I'm Canadian. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm not in Canada. I'm in I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now. But uh, born in Toronto. Okay. Um, raised in Canada. Uh, most of my uh, young life, I was actually uh, in Ottawa, which okay. is the capital of Canada. So, like you know, right. um, think think Washington. A lot of government. Um, that's sort of where my family. Uh, that's really my family spent most of their careers in in very safe, <laughs> very safe jobs. My dad right. worked for government. Mm-hmm. My mom worked for universities. Right. Uh, went to school in Canada, and I guess it was around um, I don't know twenty twenty five twenty six um, when I started working with startups. I've worked in a variety of different roles, different jobs. I was in the sales marketing side. Twenty five twenty six started working in startups. 
um, really enjoyed the opportunity that startups afforded a lot of hard work, a lot of wearing different hats. But then right. as anybody who has, you know, followed the startup journeys of founders or early, right. you know, early employees in startups, um, it can be super lucrative, uh, super right. exciting work. Um, you know, obviously you're doing something that's probably never been done before. And at the same time, it can make you a lot of money if you do it right. So right. Um, that was sort of around the time when I pivoted from working in like big companies per se to working in startups. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and I've had some successes along the way. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in a variety of different industries, a lot of software, a lot of tech. More recently, I've worked in uh, consumer goods. And um, along the way, I understood the power of, and this is a story that you'll hear from a lot of people, but understood the power of building a platform, building a personal brand, putting yourself out there, kind of like what you're doing right now. And that created the podcast, that created the community, that created the social audience, that created the newsletter, that created all of that stuff, which is going to be something that I probably do until the day I die because I, I love it. I love I love, you know, building that personal brand and right. I love speaking to awesome people. I love yeah. um, I love teaching things that I've learned and other people have learned to the community that I've built. Right. And it also makes me better. It makes me a better operator in a business. It makes me a better investor. It makes me a better entrepreneur. It makes me a better founder. It makes me better at all those things, right? Because you have access to great people. You learn awesome yeah. stuff. So, yeah, all in all, that's sort of my career in a, in a very, very small nutshell. But that's that's how I got to where I am today. That is fantastic. And, you know, this is something, you know, you've touched something very important about loving what you do because a lot of folks they end up doing what they do not love so it's you know it becomes <laughs> yeah. a st stress in itself oh right? oh yeah i mean even the things this is actually a very interesting point because even the things that i do that i love are still stressful mm -hmm. but it's the love that carries me through that stress so everything mm -hmm. you do in life mm -hmm. that's worth doing right. to an extent is going to have periods where it sucks right i mean there's nothing that is worth doing that is going to be a hundred percent unicorns and rainbows and lollipops we're talking right. about building something my own company my own brand right. working in a startup i love mm -hmm. even raising kids there's going to be right. times when that shit sucks because i i don't have kids right. yet but i have right. friends that have kids and it's like right. not always not always fun right, <laughs> so right, they deal right. with a lot of stuff so uh, it's like know, that's what you got to get used to you got to be right. you got it psychologically you got to get over that hump absolutely and you know i guess the way that should have used was hate you know, not, yes. not necessarily stressful, you know, because they really hate their work. Like some people, they yes. do not love them. You know, that, that, that's, to, you know, that's something totally, you know, not a good thing to have, you know. So we encourage dads that are working their jobs that are, they do not love. I mean, they should, it's still, it's never late to change careers. You know, they can slowly mm -hmm. merge into something that they love, you know, like spend more time a little bit. Additionally, maybe, you know, just a little bit of time every day to kind of learn about that the career that they want to grow, you know, like, you know, like go into. I've spoken with some people that decided the career very late, like a lady, for instance, she, her daughter had, you know, had tick disorders and no doctors would help her. She started from scratch. She went to school. She learned about this. Now she's, she's a doctor for it. So hmm. things can happen so late. Do not give up, you know? So thank you so much for yeah. this encouragement. This is a very good point. So, so, so maybe we can touch a little bit about, uh, you know, like on the business side as well for now, because I want dads to be encouraged to learn from you as well. And, and you know, so as a seasoned sales and marketing executive, uh, what, what strategies have you found to be most, you know, like, as, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, effective in, uh, you know, in terms of the business growth and, you know, just the success? Yeah, I mean, 
the first one seems obvious, but sometimes it's overlooked. The most important thing when you're building a company or or selling a product or okay. aligning with a company that's selling a product as uh, you know, quote unquote, an employee, right. is that the product's exceptional. Is that the product has an unfair advantage in the marketplace, mm -hmm. and I think that. I think that even if you are building a startup and you'll have your MVP, your minimum viable product, meaning it's mm -hmm. not the final version that you want it to be because it will never be that. You'll always be trying to improve and iterate and whatnot. Right. But I think that having an incredible product that actually solves problems mm -hmm. <laughs> is like seems so basic, right. but it's a very important piece of the puzzle. So right. there's something called like product-led growth or product-led marketing and mm -hmm. product-focused companies. And really what it just means is you're not trying to market a shitty product to the world or a bad product to the world. Like you have an incredible product mm -hmm. that actually solves real problems that you believe in. And right. then that's what you bring to the world. And then everything after that is quite simple. I mean, the best companies in the world that we know about always have the best product like the it really does rise to the top when you have that incredible product and this is something that if i'm looking at where i'm going to go in my career next mm -hmm. um as a salesperson who have who has sold products that i believe in and also i've sold products that i don't believe in mm -hmm. you'll never be successful selling a product you don't believe in mm -hmm. you'll never be successful selling something that you don't think actually works so you have to be behind a company and a product as an entrepreneur or as an employee that's right. selling something that actually you believe in and that solves problems. And then all of a sudden, all the other things start to just work easier. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. So, so this is a very good point. And, you know, so, so what happened, uh, you know, like with your experiences with the Fortune 500 companies, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, because this is, you know, this is something, you know, is that, is that small? This is a huge feat, my friend. So selling to large companies, I mean, when, when I was selling to large companies, Usually when I've been selling to large companies, I've been in larger companies, mm -hmm. um, which means you have more resources and more support, um, which is always nice. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's a human selling to another human, which I think is uh, one of the most important takeaways. Like even if there are complex buying processes, even if mm -hmm. there's RFPs, mm -hmm. even if you have to bring in a group of decision makers and multi-thread different stakeholders in the organization, meaning that I'm not just selling to a chief marketing officer, but I'm selling to a CMO and a CEO and a CFO, and I have to bring them all to the table to figure out the solution. Right. Um, it You are selling to another person or group of people. So I think that, again, it comes down to how am I actually understanding mm -hmm. the pain points that that organization is trying to solve for and how do those pain points affect the organization, but also how do those pain points affect the day in the life of the decision maker who's actually buying the product? So if I'm selling a piece of technology to a company, like what are the problems that the CTO is dealing with on a day-to-day -day that would make his or her job much easier that my product will alleviate, right? What are those problems that that person actually has to figure out? So I think that too often, when we're selling B2B, business to business, mm -hmm. especially in a very large enterprise format, mm -hmm. right. uh, we forget that there's humans involved mm -hmm. and we forget that if I'm selling something, this could either make the person who's buying it look good or look bad. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I make the person who's buying the product look good, all of a sudden my job as a sales rep becomes much easier. Now there's, there's obviously much more complex items that you have to worry about. I mean, again, I mentioned one thing, multi-threading, which means instead of selling to like one person 
like you would be doing in a smaller company, I have to make sure that I have all the right buyers at the table, or perhaps I have to take into account the fact that I'm selling to a company so big that they always go to RFP or request for proposal, meaning that they have to go get bids from like three different companies before they actually make a decision. All those nuances are important to consider, but right. those things are like table stakes. Like when you start to sell at that level, mm -hmm. those things are all pretty standard and you'll, and you'll, be able to understand those and navigate those processes quite easily, okay. because especially because you have a fair amount of support at that level when you're selling to a large organization and you're okay. also part of a big company. But again, you can't forget the human element, which is the number one thing that is actually forgotten right. uh, more often than not at that level. Okay, okay, thank you. And that transcends, right? That trickles down, right? There's the human element, mm -hmm. the most important element in sales that is something that applies at the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Fortune 5000, mid-market, small market, right. uh, selling to uh, a mom and pop, selling to consumer. It's like always a human-centric, customer-first, customer-focused right. approach to sales. Mm -hmm. That's always right. how it has to be. And if people forget that for even a moment, they'll stop being successful. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. This is very important. You know, you know like we appreciate this, this insight, you know, because... I guess, you know, like I thought maybe sometimes people can get so big and maybe I thought they will forget that human element, but uh, they do, I guess like, they know. look at people, they do forget the human element. They totally forget the human element. Wow. Well, and that, that's that. just not sales, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about like the whole commercial side of the business. They forget the human element in their marketing. They forget right. the human element in their sales conversations and their discovery calls in the posts they post on. So like they forget the human element in all of it. And yeah. ultimately it's just a bad way to do business. Right. So you can, I mean, you can try and, and assume that I'm going to forget the human element and I'm going to pitch the benefits of my product and I'm going right. to do the value prop and I, and I hopefully can, you know, convince them in some way to buy it without actually right. caring about mm -hmm. what that person's issue is, but you're not going to, you're not going to win that way. And actually, if you want to look at the data points to prove it, um, in 2023, I mean, I haven't sold in a B2B enterprise context mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a few years, but I mean, even back when I was selling B2B enterprise, right. um, 70 to 80% of the information that the buyer and the, and I'm sure this is also not just B2B enterprise, by the way, but 70 to 80% mm -hmm. of the information that the buyer researches. Right. So I go on social, go on the website, talk to my peers, right. uh, look at reviews, uh, you know, go to third party, uh, trusted uh, websites that have unbiased reviews about the product or service, mm -hmm. 70 to 80% of that information, I get that before I even talk to a sales rep for the company that I'm buying a product or service from. So 80% mm -hmm. of my information is already in my head before I even talk to you and you're selling me the product. Right. So, I mean, you have to understand that like, what you're telling me, what you're trying to push on me is a very small percentage of what actually influences my buying decision. The only piece that you really, because all the information is out there at what a right. certain product or service does, right. the biggest point of leverage you have and the biggest point of differentiation you have as a seller for a company versus a competitor that's also trying to sell to a buyer is that you actually understand the things that I'm going through in my day to day because all the information is already out there. Okay. So I'm not usually learning much new when I talk to you. But if you can find a way to tailor it to like how my life is going right now and, right. you know, when I walk in and I'm a CTO of a company and the CEO is yelling at me because 
whatever our servers are going down and you can understand that and you can sell me a problem that fixes that all of a sudden wow that's who i'm going to buy from right right absolutely and uh, and you know i mean you know you know in terms of healthcare you know first can jump in as well and mm. and and add more more points but something that sticks out at the moment for me is the is the patient experience so a lot of times you know some hospitals they will get in trouble because of the patient experience you know folks that have been treated in the hospitals they they can rate them badly because of what this you know how they've been treated so no no matter how much the advertisement is is done by the hospital systems if the the like you mentioned you know like a person to person you know is not there like the human mm -hmm. touch is not there then the whole marketing is 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 useless you know 100% correct awesome. yeah awesome thank you chief so um so you know how has the media exposure influenced you because you've been in so many media outlets my friend you know how has that done to yourself in terms of your businesses or you know just as a person you know how has that how has that experience uh, you know like uh, just impacted yes i think that i think that i'm a firm believer in personal brand obviously right. Right. Uh, so i'm obviously very biased i think mm -hmm. that everybody to some degree should build a brand around themselves mm -hmm allowing them to broadcast to the world what they're an expert in. Right. Um, and I, so how does it impact me? So when I built my personal brand, I didn't do it with a specific focus on a company because I knew that I wanted to have a brand that transcended mm -hmm. the exact place that I was working at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to create something that in the future I could monetize or leverage. And I really looked at like the, the Gary V model of brand building, right? right? So you have this incredible brand and then you can launch companies or you can uh, use it to reach an audience or, you know, there's various ways you can use it. Uh, Gary V, for example, he's launched like Vayner, not VaynerMedia, but like Empathy Wines and mm -hmm. Vayner Sports and his NFT project, all against his audience, right? So now you have this audience, you can use it for whatever. And my goal was right. I'll build the audience and I'll communicate tons of value and I'll build a community. And then if I want to use it for something, it's right there. There's all these people that have been listening and consuming information. And I've been helping these thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever people right. for the past mm -hmm. 10 plus years. So when I want right. to sell something to them, they trust my recommendation. That's the end goal should always be helping. But of course, at some point you can monetize as well. So right. how does the exposure help? I mean, any any role that I took on or any company that I tried to start or any product that I tried to sell, all of it was immediate. Any anytime I tried to raise money, anytime I reached out to somebody uh, like a high level individual on LinkedIn to try and get a call, like it just makes everything easier because you have all this social proof right. that you are who you say you are and you have a right. good reputation behind you. So uh -huh. when you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it makes things easier. So if I want to go raise money from an investor, they look me up. Oh, okay. Scott's like, you know, he's done something. He's not some no name. He's like trying to put himself out there. I've listened to a few of his things. I like the way he thinks. I like the way he communicates. I like the way, you know, he looks at businesses and strategy. All of a sudden I have like a positive I have a positive impression of this person because people always create an impression of you and they'll always have an idea of who you are, whether or not you like it right. just by a quick Google search. I mean, right, right. this is how we function, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. it's in my opinion, better to control the narrative by creating that content and creating the brand that I want people to see. So everything that literally, I mean, 
looking for a new job. Um, right now, I, after my last company, so I was CRO of a software company that was acquired. I was mm -hmm. tapped on the shoulder to be CEO of a consumer goods company. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, the online persona helps with that. Um, being asked to be brought onto podcasts like this one, mm -hmm. um, being asked to speak on stage. I, I think right. the largest stage that I've spoke on to date was inbound, which is mm -hmm. like 70,000 people, uh, not no. all for me, obviously, right. Right. but like 70,000 people go to inbound right. every year. And then HubSpot's asking me to speak on a stage. So, I mean, nice. the podcast, the, the putting yourself out there, right. that's what got me on that stage. There's other ways to get on that stage too. I mean, there's there's leaders of multi-million dollar brands, companies that have IPO, but that was like my way to get onto the stage, right? Okay. Build the community and then the opportunities come. Oh, that's awesome. And you know, you know, this has to be like you mentioned first, the love is there and and you're not shy, you're going for it. But I think because I've met some folks that they want to get into the into the industry, however they they're still shy, they to put their name out there. Like they say, oh no, like I just used my nickname. You know, excuse me, I, this is how the, you know, this is how it works right now, not. I think that that's a valid point because it's really stressful to put your own name out there and to put mm -hmm. yourself out there. Right. Um, I don't think there's an easy way to do it except to just start. Mm -hmm. And also, even when you start, I mean, it's not like it's ever gonna be, like, I can't remember whose quote this was, but I think it was Jim Carrey or somebody. He said, I wish everybody could be famous and rich to see like mm -hmm. how, how it's not always what it's cracked out to be. And that's a bastardization of the quote. But that's essentially, in essence, even when you put yourself out there, the more famous you get, the more stressful it is, the more hate you get, the more everything. But there's a benefit to it. So mm -hmm. I, think that, I think that, yeah, it's going to be stressful. But you mm -hmm. start to understand that all the all the things that you should have listened to in the first place about not paying attention to other people's opinions are very correct. Right. I mean, you listen, you put out, you know, feelers, you get some feedback as to what you're doing. Is it good? Is it bad? But right. ultimately, not everybody will like you, and that's okay. Right. And unless there's like very, very good critique, like if so, I, I'll give you an example. Like yesterday, somebody said on my Instagram, like, oh, it was so annoying listening to the last podcast because the the ads like interrupted a, a thought halfway. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's very good feedback for me because right. I have to speak to my editors. I have to make mm -hmm. sure that that, you know, that the way they edit is done in a proper way so that the ads right. aren't annoying, but right. that's constructive. There's a lot of unconstructive, like malicious stuff that always right. happens that has no bearing on me. And usually right. this is very real. The people that are doing better than you never care about what you're doing. It's always mm -hmm. the people that aren't doing as well as you that are the loudest. And those are unfortunately right. the ones that go on your social, DM you, message you, whatever, ignore it because it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't impact you. It doesn't change your life in any way. Mm -hmm. So be okay that that's going to eventually happen, but also look at the potential upside. Absolutely. And you know how long it took you to get that, that realization? Because sometimes folks, they will have like this, oh, you know, I don't want to do this. And then they, they do it finally. And then they realize, oh man, I should have started this early. You know, why did I, did you have this, uh, this situation? Um, so when I got the realization that that I that I should have started this earlier, or right, right, um, I think the day that I started, I realized that I should have done it earlier. Big time. Like for me, I, I don't always approach things the same way as everybody. Like when I start mm -hmm. something, I'm I'm so committed to it, almost mm -hmm. to a fault that I have trouble stopping. Not In some cases, even if it's not successful, right. Um, 
But I think that that attitude and that personality allowed me to start and then never look back. And actually, candidly, I think the people that have that personality of being able to start and never look back are the people that are usually the most successful because they don't second guess themselves again and again and again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, be, I totally agree with you, my friend. So, so, so far, you know, you know, how has been the, uh, you know, uh, the experience with, uh, with this, with the success story? I mean, this show is so amazing. You know, we, you know, you have all these, uh, these greats on your show. So what is the one that, that particularly left you like this biggest impact? Mm. So, Success Story has been an incredible experience because right. outside of being a great way to build the brand, it's right. long form content. It allows right. me to take that long form content and put it across all the different social platforms, kind of like what we're doing now. You can right. chop this up into 50 different pieces, right? All the Absolutely. shorts, reels, TikToks, all yep. that shit. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I mean, you know, it's it's letting you sit down with all these cool people and talking to them for like an hour, an hour and a half, a couple times a week. Like right. what other job in the world affords you that opportunity? Not right. many, right? not many, right? So it's, yeah, it's a personal brand strategy. But if you don't think I learn <laughs> a ton of shit from right. the people that I talk to, you know what's up. Right. So that uh, being able to have access and, mm. and talk and chat and sit down with some of the most incredible, intellectual, sophisticated, mm. successful individuals in the world is by far the biggest benefit no amount of money or fame or right. followers or anything could ever compare to being able to tap into some of the most interesting brains in the world awesome awesome especially when you have their stories how inspiring it is how they they're there you can relate to where they start from and this is you know this is beautiful you know you relate to where they start from you mm -hmm. start to see threads of what allows them to be successful Right. You also understand that nobody's journey is perfect and like right. everybody's gone through super stressful periods in their life, which just right. sort of normalizes your own stress. Right. All these things not only teach me a lot, but they, they really, candidly, I mean, I listen to my own shows, obviously, but I also listen to podcasts for this reason because mm -hmm. it helps normalize my own lived experience. It mm -hmm. helps me normalize, oh, business isn't going well. Okay, right. we got to figure it out. But you know what? People have made much bigger mistakes that have been much more expensive right. in much bigger companies, and they've survived. So you know what? I'll be okay at the end of the day. Stressful right now, but it helps you push through these really dark moments in your life that everybody experiences to listen to people who have done it before. And you also asked what was like the most impactful episode. Mm -hmm. I would say there's been a lot, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, I will give you the most impactful answer to a question mm -hmm. that I have asked. I ask, I ask sort of some similar questions. I always ask like, what would your 20 year old, what would you tell your 20 year old self? I ask, what does success mean to you? Mm -hmm. But there's one answer and it actually funny enough came from, from Anthony Scaramucci, which mm -hmm. he was the guy who was like Trump's like VP, uh, communications director for like 12 days oh, or whatever. Right, right, it was right, like right. a very funny, interesting story now he's a he's now he's obviously a, a really successful finance guy and mm -hmm. and whatnot right. um and he told me something that actually really resonated mm -hmm. it's and it's been repeated a few times but he's like the first person to say it on the show mm -hmm. so he said that his sort of secret to success mm -hmm. is his trust in himself so if he was going to take everything away that he has right now and he's worth mm -hmm. 
probably several hundred million dollars at this point. Mm-hmm. And he manages, I'm sure, over a billion dollars in some of the funds that he manages. Right. He was going to take everything away. And it was going to be him in like a studio apartment in Brooklyn, right. uh, you know, with nothing but like the T-shirt on his back. Right. He has absolute confidence that he could do it again from scratch with no connections, no network, no money. And I'm like, holy shit, that is the most powerful mental place, mental thought place, you know, thought process to have right. the the mental place to be in right. that you trust in yourself that much that you right. could just everything taken away, you could repeat success. And I think that that mindset, mm-hmm. it, it may seem it may not. I, I'm not sure if it is as powerful to some people as it is to me. But for me, that is like the secret. It's the secret mm-hmm. to success. It's right. The secret to success, meaning like financial success, not like family success and, and, and freedom from working, but like building a business, being successful in your career. I think a lot of it has to come down to, do I trust myself to do this? And then having absolute trust in yourself to execute on the things that you have to do. And I think that if more people had that faith in their own abilities, Mm -hmm. they would take more risks and they would end up being successful. Oh, awesome. And I think you, you, you had mentioned this in your, in your, in your Instagram about how, how it is important for people to have the mindset, you know, this is more important Mm -hmm. to have the strength, you know, like, you know, like what you just described, because, it's not about money, you know. Like I will have that quote with you later on. But uh, so what you know so far from your experience, uh, being in, you know like an international speaker, what is some you know the trend that you're noticing now, um, you know worldwide, you know so far from your experience. Trends in sales. trends in in what in you business know, in, in you know like sales and marketing and so far like you know what you know what kind of trends are you noticing? Is there some, hmm. like a new trend or something that is? What different? are new trends? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I would say the things that it's interesting. So there, I wouldn't say they're new trends, but they're, mm-hmm. they're just as important. Mm-hmm. So we sort of touched on a couple things that make for a good company, right? Like, right, you know, right. being a product focused company, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a trend, but it's important. Right. Um, I think that a, a an emerging trend is brands and individuals trying to be louder on social media. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that social media and which at one point was considered alternative media mm-hmm. is so saturated that mm-hmm. brands starting and people starting to try and build an audience, they end up being exactly like the last person. So the internet has democratized access to building a brand and becoming famous, Mm -hmm. but it's also homogenized it, meaning that everybody seems to do it the same way. So it's made access very easy. I mean, I can just go on my computer and if I'm good enough at creating content and and teaching stuff over, Mm -hmm. I don't need to, for example, like sign a deal with a movie star uh, with Mm -hmm. a production company and be in a movie to be famous. Like I Mm -hmm. can actually do it myself. But with that low barrier to entry, it means that everybody sort of copies each other. So the emerging trend or the successful way to look at alternative media, social media, podcasting, whatever it is, is to be uh, just to is to be the trend has to be you what I mean by that is the only way to be successful in an environment like the internet where everybody has access to producing their own personal brand is to be so unique that you differentiate yourself that you are 
a culture of one of one. You are one of one. No one else can be like you. Nobody else can create content like you because you are the content. Right. You are you are the brand. And I think that that is a trend that some people nail and the most mm -hmm. successful individuals in the world, like a Gary V is a Gary V. He's one of one, right? Yeah. If we look at um, Alex Ramosi, Alex Ramosi is one of one. Grant Cardone yeah. is one of one. Right. Elon Musk is one of one. All these people are one of one. They cannot be replicated because there's nuances of their personality that they let shine through on social. Mm -hmm. So to be successful in social media, you have to be one of one, meaning that you have to be okay, not just putting yourself out there, but mm -hmm. putting yourself out there without a filter, with, with nothing but your honest, raw self, because that's what people will actually like or dislike, which is fine, right. Right. but the people that like it create the community, that's right. what allows you to be successful online. So um, look at, for example, um, I mean, I mentioned a couple people that do this well, look at Duolingo. Duolingo is a brand that wasn't just a copy of the last brand. It was a beautiful interpretation of a language learning app in a big, like big bird, uh, whatever it is, a costume mascot of a Duolingo bird that does ridiculous things around the office. And then that company goes viral because they're one of one. No one else can be a big green bird mascot right. dancing around on TikTok, but mm -hmm. Duolingo can be that. And right. they killed it. And I'm pretty right. sure whoever, I think, I can't remember the name of the, the woman who came up with that campaign, but she's like won awards for marketing mm -hmm. at this point because they right. went so viral. Mm -hmm. And they're a language learning app that has like one of the largest TikTok followings. That's a one. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally checked something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Today's show is brought to you by 1Password. Now listen, we all have that one friend who's constantly forgetting passwords and needing help to get into their accounts. I have a solution. It's called 1Password. 1Password is the award-winning password manager trusted by millions of users and companies like IBM and Slack to keep logins, credit cards, and other private info safe in an encrypted vault that only you can access. No more sticky notes with passwords or using the same password everywhere. I've been using 1Password for a year now and I can't recommend it enough. It saves me time from having to reset passwords and gives me peace of mind knowing my info is secure. With convenient features like automatic password generation and login autofill, 1Password takes the hassle out of passwords. You can use it on all your devices, iOS, Android, Mac, PC, everything syncs seamlessly. And with top-notch security audits and encryption, your data stays private. So do yourself a favor and check out 1Password today. Go to onepassword.com slash Clary and get a two-week free trial. Let 1Password remember all of your logins for you so you can remember what really matters. That's onepassword.com slash Clary for two weeks free. One of one example. Mm -hmm. So that's a trend 
that's mm. a newer trend, but very important that I think you have to consider, you have to really consider that um, purposefully, meaning that Gary Vee didn't think, oh, I'm going to be one of one. He just thought, I'm just going to be me. But a lot of people have trouble thinking like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you start day one, day zero, think like that. Just be you, be authentic, but truly be authentic. Not just like you throw a swear word in here or there. It's like you talk about everything. So we talk about business. Right. We talk about family. We talk about right. kids. We talk about things I'm stressed about. Or mm -hmm. maybe I just talk about I talk about the food I eat, the, the hobbies I have. That's mm -hmm. why vloggers on YouTube are so popular because they're one of one. They, they yeah. document their whole day. That's fantastic. I think you have a good, you know, very good point. And you know, another thing, and I'm noticing maybe folks they become not themselves because they get in, they get disrupted by, by input from family or close friends. Mm. So maybe you have to develop a way to shut that down somehow because otherwise you become because yeah. they they them, you know sometimes they're looking out for you. They think maybe that that's tacky or that's not cool, but. In reality, like you mentioned, you know, is that uniqueness. You need to be that one on one. It is your uniqueness. It's every single thing that embodies who you are on a day to day. Like even like my even my dad. Mm -hmm. My dad told me the other day, he's like, It is so weird seeing you on YouTube. <laughs> but I'm like, I mean, like I can't like I right. mean, he'll never be somebody who's gonna wanna build a personal brand and he, he appreciates that I'm doing stuff that's probably wildly outside his comfort zone, but that's cool. Right. He doesn't care. But I mean, like, yeah, family will always I mean, if you're pushing boundaries, family's never going to 100% understand what you're doing. But that's okay. Right, right, right. That's totally okay. There you go. Now, I see. That's a very good point, you know, because a lot of times, you know, like, you know, they can have a good point, you know, like from their perspective, they're trying to look out for you. But I think dads need to know that, okay, you have to look at the bigger picture in terms of you have to be unique. So if it's as long as you're not naked or... Or you're not doing something illegal. Listen, if you're not doing anything illegal right. or offensive or whatever, right. yeah, don't dance around naked. Don't do right. illegal stuff. Don't make somebody feel like, don't make somebody feel less than. Don't be, right. you know, racist, people, yeah. sexist, whatever yeah, it is. You know. Don't do any of that shit. Right. But outside of that, mm -hmm. be you. Awesome, awesome. Now, how do you, because for a person like yourself with all these, uh, with all these uh, hats that you have to put on, how do you manage the time to take care of yourself uh, you know, like that, that personal time, uh, you know, how do you, you know, how do you take, you know, how do you take, mm. you know, re, you know, like, re, you know, like rejuvenate? Uh, <laughs> um, so know. it's not easy. And I, and I, I want to, I want to, I want to be super clear about this. So I have like routines right. and I have things that I do that I'll talk to you about, but it's like never perfect. Mm -hmm. So I think that too many, again, too many people are too polished online. And you'll listen to gurus that seem to have all their shit together. And right. they say that, you know, the 5 a.m. club or the I shut my phone off, whatever, two hours because I don't right. believe in blue light. And, mm -hmm. and I don't drink coffee anymore. or I don't drink alcohol or I mm -hmm. whatever. I do a cold plunge every morning. All that stuff is whatever. The point is nobody has it 100% of the time together. Right. And if somebody right. tells you that, they're lying. Right. They're for sure lying because nobody's life is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So. And also, not all that stuff is even required to be successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like, I'm pretty sure like Warren Buffett like drinks a ton of Diet Coke, and I don't think he does cold plunges every day. The point is, right. you don't have to do all this gimmicky stuff to be successful. You have to focus yeah. on the things that you enjoy, mm -hmm. that positively impact your life, right. that you notice a you notice some benefit of. So, what do I do? Um, so, a couple sort of. Uh, very strategic things that I do in my day. I mean, I mentioned before we started recording, like the urgent, important matrix. Right. I do actually 
do my most important tasks in the morning or also which is like the eat the frog mentality so like mm. stuff that is like the most stressful the, the gonna move the needle the most right. i do that i try to do that before people start calling me emailing me or i'll do that super late at night so sometimes after dinner i'll spend some time like instead of like watching tv like maybe like an hour an hour and a half like doing like very important things that are going to move the needle in my life or in my business so i do do urgent important plus i also time block so i have to time block because i run a company i do a little bit of investing i also do my podcast personal brand so i have to time block stuff because there's something um uh like whenever you switch tasks, you're doing context switching, mm -hmm. which basically erodes your energy levels and your focus and your attention. So you should not be switching tasks too many times throughout the day. Even if you are thinking that you're a great multitasker, there's a lot of science that shows that it's impossible to multitask effectively. So every time you switch tasks from like podcasting to jumping on a call for one business to looking at an investment portfolio, like that's all context switching. It takes a lot of mental bandwidth. It wears you down. It's not good. You won't be as effective. Um, so don't do it. So you have to time block your day into, okay, the morning from nine to 12, I'm going to work on this business. Uh, maybe Sunday night from five to nine, I'm going to record content for social and type up a couple tweets and articles for the week. So I time block everything so that I don't switch back and forth as much as possible. I don't even check my emails. I check my emails in the morning and check them at lunch and I check them around nine o'clock. I'm not actively checking emails throughout the day because I know that there's nothing because I've already figured out my most important urgent stuff for the day that's going to come into my inbox that will be required to be finished by the end of the day. Right. So at nine o'clock, when I check my emails again, I'm going to see what I have to line up for the next day. And that will dictate what I'm focusing on for the next day. But I'm not, I'm not distracting myself in between writing a proposal or whatever it is mm -hmm. with emails about unrelated things. I really, really focus. And then I'll clean my inbox, clear my inbox at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, time blocking, like all the things that Time blocking, um, doing heavy tasks when you're not distracted, right. preferably in the morning, urgent, important. These are all things that I really do truly live. Um, other things, like, I mean, I'm not perfect. I try not to drink, but I drink every once in a while, but not too, too often. Uh, definitely have not killed the caffeine habit yet, so I don't know how people deal with that. Um, right. In terms of, like, health and fitness, there's things that I do as well. So I used to be big into sports, played a ton of sports. Um, now I just sort of lift weights recreationally, but um, intermittent fasting, I, I cycle carbs so that I maintain like optimal energy levels. Um, but these are sort of very personal things to me. So I've sort of figured out my nutrition, my eating schedule, my workout schedule to like look good, feel good, as good as possible so that I don't hit like afternoon slumps. Right. right. Um, so those are kind of the day-to-day the -day things. Um, outside of that, I do I, – I'm actively – we'll talk about kids and family in a second because I'm actively um, trying to – outsource and build out, you know, and, and delegate as much as possible so that I, I sort of claim back hours in my day because I don't have kids yet. But right. that's a goal. And I know that if I'm operating at the way that I'm operating now, I won't be a good father. No. So that's no. what I know it. I'm very well aware of it. I'm I'm forcing myself to take breaks. I'm forcing myself to like shut off and go on vacation. These Gosh. are things that seem silly, but I haven't taken vacations up until like the past two years for like mm -hmm. several years now. And for me, I actively have to build that into my schedule. So that my future goals of having a family are more doable because I need to have the right shutoff time. I need to have the right vacation time with the family. I can't be working 24-7. So I know where my goals are at. 
I'm constructing my life and my schedule to be able to facilitate those goals so that I'm not operating the way I am now when I have kids. I think that's also very important. Wow, this is, uh, you have provided so much value to what you have said because I have uh, some of my listeners, they, they're in your, st- you know, like in your, mm-hmm. in your status, you know, they, they just got married, they're, they're, they're about to have kids, or some they haven't been even married, you know, they're, they're not married yet, but now yeah. they have a good idea about how they can do to prepare themselves to become better fathers. And I think from what you're, this, you know, what you're mentioning in terms of, uh, you know, you know, like you know, like when you know when you're creating those blocks and what you do in those blocks is something very neat to mention about the the eighty twenty rule. You know, maybe briefly, like you can, you know, I know it's it's pretty much the same thing that you mentioned, but it's a good summary for people to learn. Can you teach them quickly about that one? Yeah. So the eighty twenty rule is is also known as the the Pareto principle, which means that eighty um, percent of the results comes from twenty percent of the effort. Um, so ultimately. That is obviously, um, it's a nice thought, but if you start to understand how it applies in your life, it's actually quite, it's quite practical. So if you look at, I'll give you a business example. Mm-hmm. Every sales team that I led, mm-hmm. there was always 20% of the people driving 80% of the results. When you look at all the different marketing things you're doing in your business, mm-hmm. you're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but like what's really driving revenue for your business? And there's usually a very small fraction that is like the most impactful. I mean, sometimes in some businesses, I'm sure it's more 90-10 than even 80-20. Right, but right. I think that your goal in life, your goal in life should be to identify those 20% things that drive those 80% results in your life, mm-hmm. in your business. I mean, let's let's look at a life example. Exactly. If I find that um, like my life is, is very much an 80-20, like I'm living an 80-20. So mm-hmm. all the health and wellness things I do mm-hmm. is 20% of the things that I, 20% of the things I do drive 80% of the results. So when I work out, I work on like core lifts that end up having the, 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 they will impact my body the most. The right. food I eat, um, I focus on eating the great stuff for my body. Like, you know, that, so for example, the, the, what's, what's the word? So. Um, if I focus on diet, I focus on the, the best foods that will create the best possible result for my body as well. Right. Um, so most of the stuff that I do in my life, even like the, uh, like the intermittent fasting or the right. carb cycling, those are like strategies that I find mm-hmm. that they're not super time consuming, but they produce the most outcome in my day to day. I don't bother with um, cutting caffeine. I don't bother with doing a cold shower, cold plunge every morning. I don't bother with this ancillary stuff because I could do it and it could have marginal returns. But for me, it's more of a lift. I don't enjoy it and I don't see the same results. If I cold plunge every morning versus going to the gym, I don't find that the payoff is the same. So I go to the gym for an hour versus find a way to do a cold plunge or a cold shower. I don't really find the cold plunge does much for me. Um, I mean, that's sort of how I approach everything in life because what's this, what's the quote again? It's like, I think Bill Gates said, if you want a job done, give it to a lazy person because the lazy person will find the most effective way to do it. Mm -hmm. Candidly, that's how I approach my life because I don't, I know that there's a lot of hard work required, Mm -hmm. but I'm always looking for a way and it's not going to be so obvious day one, but I'm always looking for a way to do the things Mm -hmm. that will have the highest impact with the minimal amount of effort. 
Now, there's always effort required, of course, right, but right. I think that too many people put a lot of effort on things that have like almost marginal impact. Right. So that to me is how I approach. I don't know. That's how I approach sort of my life. Oh, this is fantastic. I mean, you know, you know, and, and uh, when you don't know your 20 percent, I guess is even worse because you end up spending time on, on the, you know, uh, on a lot of yeah. things that are really just draining your time. You know, I'm trying to think of other examples. Um like, so if you, I think that, for example, like I mentioned, like the diet before. Mm -hmm. So when you look at feeling good, looking good, the food you eat, there's like a million things, like there's supplements, there's mm -hmm. vitamins, there's minerals, all that stuff is good. And I mean, you should definitely get your supplement, your vitamins and whatnot. But I mean, there's so much extra that you can try out and you can incorporate into your day to day that ultimately... Mm -hmm. Maybe they make you feel 1% better or 2% better. They make you feel 1% more alert or whatever it is. Right. But I mean, personally for me, that doesn't make enough of a difference to complicate my routine with those things. I have sort of like my things that I know are staples that have the biggest right. impact on my day-to-day. -day. That's Absolutely. what I like. Absolutely. And, you know, just like, like the working out, for instance, you know, there are some things, you know, like the core, for instance, uh, you know, like if you do things like squats or or mm -hmm. bench or something you know those things are like they're they're needle movers to me you know I those are like needle movers that's yes. sorry that's a great example so we should talk about exercise right you want to work out in the gym you want to have your 20 percent right. of lifts so you do compound movements so right. bench squat uh deadlift right. then right. you have your ancillary movements but everything should be at least most of the things should be compound right because what can you do you could do your bench you could do your dead you could do your squat um right. I rather do 15 minutes on a stairmaster than 30 minutes or 45 minutes running because I know that also hits my lower body. That's like right. that's to me. It's like that's a 20 percent activity. Right. Um, now, what you, could you do in the gym? I mean, you can, I mean, you can curl all day. You can do like little like like uh, like rope pulling tricep extensions. You can do all the machines in the right. world, but right. ultimately, it's not going to have the same payoff as focusing on those three compound lifts and maybe like if you did like bench squat deadlift plus mm -hmm. weighted pull-ups and and uh and weighted dips mm -hmm. like you could build an entire physique off of those five movements that's it arguably even just the three core lifts mm -hmm. but people complicate everything they do all the things that they see in the workout in the workout magazines they do all the things they see the you know the professionals you know, shill on their on their blogs or on their socials. They right. they Google how did so and so look like this for the latest Marvel movie, and then they'll right, go right. follow this you know garbage workout routine. So right. you just cut the fluff in life. Cut the fluff. Focus on what matters. That will right. that will give you the easiest life right. that you that you want in anything in family in 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 whatever in in fitness and health and business. It's like right. cut the fluff, trim the fat, That's it. focus That's on what it. moves the needle. You know, and you know, it's like healthcare. You know, a lot of times, you know, get a, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like try things. You know, you know, you know, like the aging is very important. But also, I notice how, you know, I think I don't know. I have the same, you know, like, you know, scenario right now. But I have noticed, you know, like one of the, the, the influencer or somebody was mentioning how you can list a lot of things, maybe like twenty things that you want to do or like, like your priorities. But then of those twenty. You can maybe narrow down to four or something, and then those yeah. sixteen is definitely like do not even touch them. They are really horrible for you. That is, I think that's a that's not even an influencer. That's a Warren Buffett quote, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that is go. definitely a Warren Buffett quote. There you go. It's okay. like list your twenty five 
I think it's like list your, I, I think they're trying to steal a Warren Buffett quote. It's like list your 25 right. uh-huh. highest priority tasks. Right. And then, and then list out the five most important out of the list of that 25 right. and then never touch the remaining 20. That is for yeah. sure a Warren Buffett that's quote. A very important, that's a very important quote because that's really our life. We end up wasting time with those uh, 20 yeah. instead of touching the major five and, and the time is running and we're still co- complaining. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, I'm still not doing it well, but you really have needle movers in front of you, but you don't mm-hmm. spend time on them. So this is a it's good, just, it's know, just another version of the, of the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule. If you want to, I just Googled it. It's the five twenty five rule. This oh, is Warren Buffett's famous advice for productivity. There you go. That's it. Boom. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, next time I want for, for, you know, I'll definitely remember that because now we have a situation, you know, cause a lot of times your memory is better when you have a scenario like this, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, sir. Listen, yes, I, listen. I'm sure a lot of people have ripped that off to some degree, but Warren Buffett absolutely. is. I'll give him. I'll give him the the credit. <laughs> and, and, and you know, as we speak, I think I remember there's somebody that wrote a book and he somehow squeezed that into his book and somehow he took credit from it. You know, I, I don't want to mention his. I have name, no but... idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, is you know, uh, so boss, what you know, what do you think so far, in terms of uh, you know, like you have fun, you know, with your coworkers and stuff. How mm-hmm. do you Deal with, uh, let's say, somebody that wants to deal with the family, you know, let's say, you know, there's a, you know, somebody sick in the family or mm. they need to take time off. How do you deal with that? And you still have a lot of things to do at your job. How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, I think that as a rule, a business should be healthy enough to support when people have personal problems, they can take the time needed to fix that problem. I think that's just a rule. I think that the only time you run into problems is when a business is built so, so thin that mm-hmm. everybody is maxed out and mm-hmm. nobody can sort of cover or help out. And I don't think that's a very healthy business if okay. you have everybody always working at 150% capacity. Um, I think that, I mean, my, my, my view is if somebody has life events, they have to tend to life events because life events are more important than business. But also simultaneously, I shouldn't have built a business that's going to crash and burn the second one person has, God forbid, a sick parent or aunt or grandparent, right? right? Or, or you know, I mean, the same goes for not just sick people in their family. What about people that want to take uh, time off for their children, maternity leave, right? right? So a business has to be built so that it's profitable enough and, mm-hmm. and healthy enough to support their employees living a life and having a livelihood and dealing with real life. And if you cannot do that, then you're not running a business, you're running a sweatshop. So I think that people sometimes think individuals are a commodity and they're not people. Mm -hmm. And I think that people, unfortunately, maybe in a a pre-COVID world where individuals did not have the same options as to where they could work and where they could go to. I think people were taken advantage of a lot more. Mm -hmm. But what I am happy about is now people have the option to leave and people have the option to work remotely. And if you are in the middle of nowhere, USA, and all you have is an internet connection, technically you can work for anybody in the world. And same goes for somebody who's in the middle of nowhere in the rest of the world. They can work for anybody in the USA or globally. So I think that now businesses have to be better because there's so many options, which is a great thing. And it forces businesses to be better, to operate better, to be healthier, to 
make the money required to support their staff. And I think that now this is more of the norm where people are expecting the ability to go on sick leave, go on maternity leave, take right. time off. I mean, it's not like the model hasn't been proven. We look at right. Europe. Right. People in Europe have whatever, way more, I don't even know, like six weeks, eight weeks vacation, whatever it is, full maternity leave. So like you can build a business right. while still valuing the human. Right. But I think that for the longest time in the U.S., we uh, try to get as much out of people as possible with the lowest amount of cost spent on those people, which, mm. I mean, that's not a good thing, but that was the reality for, for a period of time. And as right. businesses evolve and grow and as people understand that they have more options and they have access to other better opportunities, then businesses have to evolve with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. I think this is a very good point to to the people that are starting and and uh, the people that have been established. I'm sure now they they know the reality, as you mentioned, that people have more mm -hmm. options now. You know. Um, so, so chief, I I like what you mentioned earlier about how you liked the ish, the the idea about family. You know that uh, you do not like to see people just work, 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 they learn, you know, the, they learn how to work, you know, to, to grow as a, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur. And then once they spend 10 years or whatever, then they, they, they've made it, but they don't know how to get back to create a family. So, mm. you know, like, what do you, you know, what do you think about that? Because I think that's one of the uh, challenges that we have right now, right? So I think a lot of this, I think a lot of this where people get lost mm -hmm. on their journey, meaning they start working hard and they progress uh, in their company or they start a business and it's successful and they start to put in hours and they start to see returns on those hours mm -hmm. and then they get lost because we don't actually teach a lot of useful things at a young age. I don't think we teach people what skills are required to be successful. I also don't think we set proper expectations as to the amount of energy and effort required to operate as a, you know, not just a 1%, but like even like a 0.1% of the population where you see a CEO in a large corporation or an entrepreneur that built a billion dollar brand. That's like 0.001 at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we don't do a good job in our formal education system, mm -hmm. as well as in our informal education system, meaning the people that teach on YouTube about entrepreneurship, about business, mm -hmm. we don't do a good job of setting expectations about what's required. And I think that if we did a better job of setting expectations about what's required, I think that people could properly understand what they're getting themselves into and not get lost along the way. And I think that when people put everything into a company, they know it's going to be hard work, but they don't get how much work it's going to be. And instead of planning for a period of your life where you can sort of decompress or allocate time to a family purposefully, mm -hmm. they just they, their personality gets warped because all they know is work. Right. And I don't think that's conducive to a healthy relationship if your partner is not on board. I mean, you can, you can have a healthy relationship where you and your partner love work, which is fine. Right. But I think that if, a, if you're with somebody and you're starting something, and they aren't aware of what it's going to take, and you aren't aware of what it's going to take, that leads to a lot of discord, a lot of stress in the relationship. And eventually, that's going to cause relationships to break. I mean, right. it happens again and again and again with CEOs on their third wife and their, right. you know, the entrepreneurs like <laughs> divorcing or not spending time with kids because they're, they're working so hard. So I think that the expectation has to be set. 
I think both partners who are involved in that family unit have to understand what the other person's getting into. They got to be okay with it because even if you don't want to be, uh, you know, balls to the wall, nonstop working for the rest of your life, know that to create anything worth creating that's meaningful, that's significant, there's going to be a period of your life where it's going to be very hard. So understand that, be okay with that, but then also have a plan for when you're going to stop that and when you're going to invest in your family and when you're going to right. sort of build that time into your schedule. Because if not, you can always find time to work more, right? Like right. the work expands the time you give it. And if you don't give family and spouse and children the time they require, then work will fill those gaps. So right now, like I just mentioned what I'm doing in my life, I'm actively working at carving out blocks of time in my life because I know that if I have a kid now, I mean, I, I can work from seven in the morning to midnight. Like I'll, I'll find stuff to do, right? So I have to find a way to not find stuff to do. And that means that I'm purposely building a life that doesn't require me to work seven in the morning till midnight. And my life even now, I, I don't have to do it, but it's a hobby. It's a habit. I enjoy it. So I find ways to fill that time. So I got to sort of like get in the right headspace so that I can be there and be present for a family. Mm -hmm. And I think that people jump into entrepreneurship, not understanding what's going on, mm -hmm. sort of become accustomed to this workload because that's what creates success. And then that mm -hmm. success is like this, this drug that we, that we, we understand that the only way we got to where we're at is by putting in 12 hour days. So how can we ever stop? Right. And it's it's not a healthy headspace to be in. So we have to find a way to stop, to to reprogram ourselves so that we're better suited to be present and to be there for our family. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because entrepreneurship and high performers, usually they operate in silos. Like right. usually the entrepreneur that builds the billion-dollar company, I mean, they're not coming from parents that built billion-dollar companies. Right. And they're not, you know, maybe they have some friends, of course, but... Mm -hmm not all their friends have built right. billion dollar companies and not all their friends and and maybe the ones that they have out of all their friends maybe they haven't built a successful family so i think that it's important to sort of surround yourself with positive role models mm -hmm. that see work and family in the way that you want to see it right. and then those are the people that are going to give you the best advice and those are the people that are going to call you out when you are spending time with your kids those are the best friends so i mean you could do a little bit of work yourself i think it's also important to again surround yourself with people that are living the life you want to live, not just financially, not just via work or whatever, but also with their spouse, happy marriage, happy partner, happy kids, while simultaneously performing at a certain level and achieving that success. Those are the people that you have to include in your in your life so that those are the role models that you look to. Because if not, then you're just trying to figure it out yourself. And unless you go through this thought process and exercise about how do I manage my work in my life, it just, good things don't happen by accident. Right. So if you don't take the time to think through it and to mm -hmm. purposefully build a family and to set time aside, I feel like, unfortunately, there's a chance it could just end in chaos and right. hurt hurt feelings and broken relationships and mm -hmm. with, with your spouse, with your kids, with everyone. So I think that that's, I mean, yeah. I'm not a dad, so right. I, right. I, I hesitate to give no. all the advice no. in the world. No, but I'm I, trying to give as much that makes sense. Absolutely, I think you touched something very important, and this is something that can we can talk kind of on, you know, to an, you know, in another time that, or maybe even create a way to to advise folks, I guess, or maybe create a group of people that have gone through it. Because you mm. see, like for instance, 
one of our, our, our mutual friend JLE, for instance, he's, he's, he's been going through that, and, and I think now they're expecting. So I think one great thing, my friend, that I can advise you, do your best uh, to um, – being there, uh, you know, I know that you know you you have started this idea of uh, creating the time. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. The next thing is also to make to intentionally be there, like in terms of the appointments and stuff like this with your wife uh, down the road. You know, my you know, just being there is the best thing you can do as a dad, and and that's all that's already in your plans. So mm-hmm. I think you're you're on the right foot, my friend. You know, I appreciate you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so. Really, we have touched a lot of things, and here at Dad Puzzles, we, you know, I think today we, you, you, you have given them so much value. That, Thank you, uh, man. I appreciate. I don't want to bore you with anything else, my friend. I think at that point, you know, at this point, maybe like you can say, the best memory of the 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 fondest memory of your dad, the fondest memory of your dad. My fondest memory of my dad. Yes. My dad, I. I mean, my dad's still alive, thank God. Right. So it's not like right. it's right. not no, no, like the so memories far, of it. So far, so far, you know, like you know, like so far, yeah. you just hang, you know, interacting with him and stuff. There's nothing. I think, uh, but. Yeah, I think that I, I, <laughs> my dad supported almost every silly, ridiculous thing I ever wanted to be involved in, and I'm actually very awesome. blessed for that. Awesome. Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have parents that were not only able to afford, but like actually actively supported. So. Like, you know, he was the one, I, I played a lot of hockey, again, Canadian, I played a lot of hockey growing up. So he was the one, like, you know, weekend mornings driving me to the rink at God knows what time. I was, like, half asleep, and he was getting my ass out of bed so that we'd actually get to the practice or the game on time. He'd be going to all the out-of-town tournaments. But it wasn't just, like, sports. I mean, I'm sure that cost a fair amount, but <laughs> all the equipment and the and the fees and whatnot. But then it was, like... I remember I wanted to learn how to play the drums and he'd found he'd find a pair of drums or whatever and and I was nice. you know living at my parents house playing drums and I can't imagine that was fun either oh, listening to that yeah. shit <laughs> and then like also all the times like even through all that when I was mm. um you know growing up in in high school and right. and uh, you know and I mean we can drink a little bit younger in Canada so all the times you know you show up home drunk and <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you're an idiot, Scott, whatever, go to bed. Like all those things. Like it's like the – it truly is like the uh, – what's, what's the what's the word? Like um, uh, the, the love. But I mean like what's the – I'm blanking on the word right now. Just like, like unconditional love. Unconditional love. The unconditional mm-hmm. love and the absolute support in all the most mm-hmm. ridiculous things that I ever wanted to try. Right. So that's like what I remember – most hopefully he listens to this one day i don't know he he, i think he listens to some of my stuff on youtube i have no idea if he listens to the podcast we'll see but maybe i'll send him this one youtube as well uh, so yeah yeah so so i have the connection in uh in canada as well my wife is from montreal so oh so she i mean yeah yeah for sure you know like if i knew your 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 whereabouts i'll definitely you know, like share this info. <laughs> yeah, well, well, now I'm in now I'm in Florida, so now I'm in a much warmer spot. But okay. Montreal, so Montreal is two hours from where right. I grew up uh, in right. Ottawa. We used to like you could go because Montreal, I think, yeah. So Ottawa, you could drink when you're, I mean, Canada, mm-hmm. outside of Quebec, Montreal, you can drink when you're 19, mm-hmm. and then Quebec, you can drink when you're 18. So we used mm-hmm. to go on like. Like, I mean, we could walk across the bridge when we're 18 and grab a right. drink. And we used to go on, like, weekend trips to Montreal as well to go to clubs right. and whatnot when we we're 18, 19. Right, right, so you're right. pretty young and you're going on these trips. But it was a lot right. of fun. Montreal's a great city. Good food yeah. in Montreal, too, but cold as yeah. hell in the winter. The Montreal, Canada, the, you know, like the... Yeah, the, the, hockey, the team. hockey team. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Chief, it's been really a pleasure being with you today here. And uh, 
I really look forward to us touching base again down the road. You know, you know, you know. I hope to hear some some like great news soon and stuff like yes. that. You know, yes, sir. You will. Yes, sir. You will. I Thanks appreciate so much. you a lot, Thank man. you so much. I appreciate your time today. So, guys, you know, please go ahead and, you know, how can people find you, you know, like Scott? You know, what's the best way for them to find Yeah, you? I'm super easy to find. So, all of the social is the same. It's mm-hmm. at Scott D. Clary. So, mm-hmm. Scott D. C. L. A. R. Y. Or ScottDClary.com. And awesome. you can find me there. Fantastic, fantastic. So, thank you, guys. Uh, this will be posted, uh, you know, like on YouTube pretty soon. And you have the podcast to any of your, you know, the, the podcast of your choice, don't forget to give us five stars so that other, you know, other people can be able to see it, uh, you know, you know, you know, like find it and stuff, so they can gain all this valuable wisdom and knowledge from from our from our special guests. Thank you again, boss. Thank let you me, so let me much. Stop here, one second. Let me stop here. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. 
Now, I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 